Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor. Down the years, you may have seen me on the telly or heard me on the wireless, but this is different. This is the Brian Taylor podcast brought to you by The Herald. In today's episode... At the start of this pandemic, the NHS was fighting for its life, and now it's fighting for our life in the middle of a pandemic, and that's due to the the gross underfunding and under-resourcing. This is the problem. They kind of wave around this... We don't have enough money. Well, we, we know that there are areas where they're focusing taxpayers' money that, that, that we would all agree that shouldn't be doing. It certainly shouldn't be a priority. But we are in tougher times. This is the, the biggest package to support young people than I can recall in my 20 years in Parliament since 1999. Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor. Very warm welcome to the latest edition of my Herald podcast. Incidentally, this is the last show this year, but fret not, fret not, we'll be back better and bolder and peakier than ever in the in the new year, I promise that. But uh, but to our tale, I intend to focus primarily, indeed almost uh, predominantly, on the, the Scottish budget today set out by the Finance Secretary at Holyrood yesterday, all the details on health spending, on taxation, on an attempt to, to green our economy still further to tackle climate change. Uh, I'm going to discuss all of those things with my, my panel. Delighted to welcome them. Delighted to be joined by Jonah Hislop from the SNP, by Jamie Halkrow Johnson, from the Conservatives, by Pam Duncan Glancy from the Labour Party, and by John Ferry from the the Liberal Democrats. Welcome all. Thanks very much indeed. Let's let's go with let's go with taxation first. Um, you know, turning it around a little bit rather than spending. Let's go with tax first. Um, income tax and council tax. Fiona Hislop, well, welcome to you. The the Finance Secretary saying that in- income tax rates unchanged, but on the bans, she's she's increasing the, 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 the lower level bands in line with inflation, but freezing the upper rate bands. That means, does it not, that the overall tax burden upon Scotland will be increased because of inflation working its way through? So it's important that we support the poorest in our society, and that's what the budget has done in a whole variety of uh, areas, uh, not least the doubling of the, the child payment. So uh, you have to take it in context about what yeah. we're trying to do in that stability. I think there is something around... Uh, ensuring that all of Scotland, if you take it as a, as a whole, the, uh, the in terms of paying tax, there'll be a, a lesser tax burden in Scotland and income tax as a whole compared uh-huh. to the rest of the United Kingdom. But if uh-huh. you do believe in redistribution to some extent, um, and those that are earning um, would be a, a higher amounts are uh-huh. in a better position to meet that. Now, I know there's inflation, I know there's going to be pressing energy costs, etc., but it is the poorest in our society that need the support the most. And I think in terms of what she's doing, it's progressive, but it's not punitive. And I think that's the point. Elsewhere in the budget, she was talking about encouraging enterprise. The the, the medium-term financial strategy talked about balancing encouraging enterprise with encouraging well-being, encouraging the the environment. But if you're encouraging enterprise, you know, you've set up a business in Scotland, and you're actually going to pay more tax than you would do uh, if you're earning, you know, well, if, if, if you set up a business in Scotland, you've still got the small business bonus if uh, your rateable value is under 15000 So, again, no rates for that. For the next five months, uh, from you know, December, January, February, March, April, you're paying no rates if you're in retail, hospitality, etc. So in terms of that business... You're, all right, all right, you're a skilled financier working for a large bank or a large insurance company. You'd be better off in England. Well, I think in terms of uh, the, the benefits of living in Scotland, if you live in Scotland and you're a wealthy financier, 
your uh, children will go to university without paying tuition fees. Uh, your, your your family won't have to pay prescription charges. Your elderly relatives uh, will have free personal care. So I think in terms of our, the, the value to the public purse and indeed the value to the individual taxpayer, if you add up all the additional benefits, actually the quality of life, the value system, and the fact that we don't have uh, you know, uh, a system of government in, in Westminster that has no values and is leading us in completely the wrong tack in terms of uh, their morals, let alone anything else. So I think you, you actually judge a country not just on uh, the pounds and pence in your pocket, it's the benefits you get, but also to live in a country that I think has a certain level of decency about it. But let, let's bring in Jamie Halker-Johnson. What about that? It's, it's about benefiting the, the, the poor uh, in, in a more proportionate fashion. It's about, about progressive taxation. Do you accept that? Your party in the past has, has gone on about Scotland being the highest tax part of the UK. What about Fiona Hislop's argument that there are other benefits that, that accrue? Well, those were very great words from um, Fiona, but what they didn't uh, didn't say was that it's not just financiers, it's not just the, the, the better off. It's more nurses, it's more doctors, it's more teachers, more public sector workers who will be uh, included in the, because of the freeze uh, on the higher rate. So we're going to see a lot of people that you people wouldn't consider um, you know, the richest in society. You're going to be wow. seeing people on, uh, you know, fair salaries doing vitally important jobs uh, being taxed more because of that. And, of course, the council tax uh, issue. It's fair salary. Surely it's above, it's above about 44, 45 grand. That, that, that's not a bad salary, is it, to say the least? Well, it's not a bad salary, but it depends what people's, you know, we, as you rightly pointed out, that cost of living is going up. The point is this, that they are going to be paying more tax. Um, and of course, that's only on the income tax side. There's also the council tax side. What we've seen is a cut to um, council yeah. budgets, more pressure put on those. We've seen the freeze on council tax rises taken away. Uh, this is sleight of hand by Kate Forbes and the SNP. What you're going to see is council tax bills increase. And in the front of the Herald uh, this morning, that point was very much made. Council tax bills are likely to increase. So what we're going to see is to people being uh, hit by increasing ta- council tax, increasing income tax for many, a cost of living uh, increases and a huge amount of pressure. And that puts real pressure on um, household incomes. Let's bring in Pam Duncan Glancy. Pam, presumably you welcome the protection for those on lower pay. But what about this argument about the balance of taxation? Jamie rightly bringing up the council tax, the the freeze has been lifted. I mean, councils may feel under some duress given that they face elections next year. But nevertheless, they are are free to to increase uh, council tax. What's your take on the balance of taxation? I think if any government is serious about making sure that we protect the poorest in society, they would have um, overhauled the council tax system like they said they'd do about 14 uh-huh. years ago. And to be honest with you, to leave to leave that to any um, to, to councils to do and to use the most regressive taxation system in Scotland to do that um, is is not only unfair but flies in the face of any suggestion that this government um, that this budget by this government is about reducing poverty. And I'd also like to just come back to the point as well about the Scottish child payment. We were calling for the Scottish child payment to be doubled immediately um, some time ago, and the government didn't do it. Um, what they've said now is that they'll double it in April, and of course that's welcome. But in actual fact, if we look at the, if you if you get under the skin of what that means, two hundred and sixty thousand children are living in poverty today in Scotland. Only seventy seven percent of those eligible to access the Scottish child payment actually get it because of the the lack of promotion of it and and no automation in the system, and a system that could in, in fact be automated. Yeah, then, but hold, hold, on, hold on, hold on a second. The, the, um, the, the, the finance secretary was challenged about that yesterday. She said there would be a, a promotional scheme to, to, to encourage up, uptake. She was also challenged by Daniel Johnson about the business of the twenty pound 
um, uh, a, a child p- payment. And she said, said, OK, you demand that we put it up to 20 quid. We put it up to 20 quid and now you say it's not enough. She says, you're always trying to push ahead of, of and, and that's you know basically the nature of being in opposition. Um, well, I actually thought that, that was quite disingenuous because as soon as we had suggested that the 20 pounds um, be doubled immediately, we were working with poverty organisations to say, well, let's do it. And actually we had a round table to look at child poverty and we were told, no, it won't do it. And at that point we said, OK, then it needs to be doubled again in order to meet the target. So we didn't do it on the basis of what the government did or didn't. We're not going to hang around and wait for them to do something because we've waited far too long. And um, So we didn't, in fact, just say we'll double it again on the basis that they'd said it. They've taken far too long to do this and it will not meet the poverty target. The Liberal Democrats made a substantial point about the business of support for local authorities, saying that the money that is going to local authorities is is too tight. Yeah, so that's absolutely right. Um, let me just make one point on the tax bans first. Before yeah, please, I please, please, please. Um, I think it's really important with, when it comes to that income tax issue to actually fully understand what it means. It's not the case that the inflation proofing of, of the lower tax bans is giving people an income rise of 3.1% or something like that. It's 3.1% above the, um, the, uh, uh, the personal allowance. So it's a 3.1% above that, which means that, according to the Fraser of Allender Institute, who did some analysis on this last night, they reckon that if you're earning under £25,000 a year, this income tax change that Kate Forbes talked a lot about yesterday will give you a benefit of um, just under £1 per year. And if you're earning over £25,000, this income tax change that Kate Forbes talked a lot about yesterday will give you a benefit of just under £5 per year. So according to the FAI, um, this is this is uh, just a gimmick, and I think I think they're right. I think it's um, about giving it a nice P- uh, press release that it's been led by the PR rather than anything substantive about changing people's standards of living. That's um, Please finish your point, and then I'll put that. Yeah. Your and just to reinforce some of the, the, the things that Jamie Ann Palm said, um, if, in this budget taken as a whole, if you're say a band four nurse with a few years' experience, you're earning just over twenty five thousand pounds a year. You're going to see a real time cut to your wages because you're not falling into that um, position where, as a public sector worker, your wage is inflation protected. You're also almost certainly going to see a big increase in your council tax because of the way the, the, the council tax uh, changes have gone through. That's the authorities to, to, to stand on a platform, it's up to them. That's yeah, got, I, that's I think it's incredibly cynical. Come back to your original question. It's incredibly cynical by the SNP administration to give this maximum flexibility to councils on a single tax lever when they've never been prepared to devolve any other uh, flexibilities or tax raising powers to local authorities, but at the same time cutting their budgets by almost £350 million in a year, which forces them, which which forces local councils to either either increase council tax substantially or cut local services, and that's what had the poorest in our society the most. Thanks, John. Let's go to Fiona Hislop to to, to rebut so, so I said this budget was about stability, but also to try and help those, the, the poorest, and to help the families in particular. In terms of the Scottish budget, uh, it, the, the actual block grant itself is under severe pressure. And bearing in mind 18, mil, 18 billion out of 40 billion of this budget is going on health. Uh, and in terms of local government, the additional funding that's going to local government are for key services, education, additional sh- uh, teachers, three and a half thousand teachers, and also to have an uplift um, on the social care uh, w- wages. That, that's really important because they're the key areas. So it is about stability and the vast majority of people will be in their position. It provides a stable income, which I think is really important in challenging times. 
I understand that, and I understand your points about the the other benefits of of, of living in and advantages both fiscally and and in terms of society of living in Scotland. But do you accept arithmetically, arithmetically that the tax take from the people of Scotland is going to increase as a consequence of this budget? It can it can do no other, given that the the the, the higher bands are being frozen. Uh, the the, uh, the finance secretary made quite clear in terms of setting out what the fiscal position would money. be. I think the challenges we've got is uh, under COVID, we're expecting a 2% uh, reduction uh, in terms of, and that's the OBR stats in terms yeah. of what our income is likely to be. And also in relation to um, the Brexit impact, that's minus 4%. Now, what you've got to do currently, we're still living in the pandemic, is this is a budget for recovery. It's for uh, tackling climate change and also tackling inequalities. So the finance secretary has steered, um, I think, a bold and ambitious programme, but also been quite pragmatic as well as being progressive. Pam, do you think it, uh, you know, he's up there saying it it enhances equality, egalitarianism in in Scottish society. Do you believe that to be the case? No way. And and to to say that it's about social care workers getting an increase, 48 pence is an absolute disgrace. It's derisory. These people are the people who we stood outside on a Thursday night and clapped for. And I can tell you, as someone who relies on social care every single day of my life, they are worth far more than a 48% increase. It is unbelievable that that was considered to be enough. So, I'm glad you've raised it. Let's go with that. The the offer was uh, uh, additional money, uh, a £10.50 base, wasn't it, for, for, for particularly for carers and for those in, in other areas that, that, that are characterised like that. Uh, uh, Fiona Hislop, are you, are you saying that that's, a, that's a, a, an advantageous settlement? I mean, can, I, can I say, I think, I, I know that we need to pay social care workers more. Um, I think in terms of uh, the pressures that are on our healthcare system, we know that is also because of social care pressures and people leaving um, the, the, the sector to go to other jobs. Now, remember, it was only in April 2021 that it went and, and, and was increased to £9.50. So uh-huh. over the year, that um, that is a £1 increase from £9.50 to £10.50. Now, is that enough? I don't think it is enough. Do I want to see an increase? Of course I do. But it's the pace of change and how we can balance the budget to ensure that that, that amount can be paid. As we go. And I, I would like to see this as the first instalment of an increase on a regular basis. But the reality of budget in government is you've got to balance it. And if Pam Duncan Glancing wants to raise income tax to pay for that, then the, the Labour Party should be putting forward that proposal. But I've yeah, not heard. I like this as a topic. It's a big talking point. Let's let's go back to Pam and then let's bring in the other guests on this. Pam, on, on this point about the carers' pay. I, I, I just think it's a disgrace. And even to say that in April 2021, they had the increase to that at that point. These people needed an increase in their salary for, for many, many, many years before the COVID pandemic hit. Then they turned up at shifts at day in, day out, without correct PPE that they needed put themselves at risk in order to make sure that people like me could live our lives. And to, to get a 48% increase is an utter insult. And on so the point the, about what would Scottish Labour do about it, well, we, we've, we've already told you what we would do about it. We would use some of your £3.9 billion extra that you got um, to, to be able to, to pay for it. Being in government is about choices, Fiona. And actually what this, what this budget shows is that the choices you make that do not protect people on the lowest income. It will not, it, you will not meet your child poverty targets. You're not going to address the, the absolute um, chaos in the recruitment crisis in social care and healthcare. It's going to do nothing to sort out the bedwalking crisis and the NHS is going to be further under stress. So and I know others have to come in, but Pam, Pam the, 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 the pay level in 2007 when we came into power was £5.35. The inflationary increase 
since that is that actual figure it's around about the 48 percent that you talked about was the inflation since then the increase government has given is over 90 percent so that trajectory of increasing progressively is what we've done but there is not 3.9 billion extra that money is is it having to shore up and exactly. um, the, the the core budget and that's on health and it's on and it's on teachers and it's all it's on the areas that we know for a COVID recovery are absolutely essential. But I'm conscious, Brian, I'll probably take it up too much time. No, so you, were, you were quite right because you, you, you got a direct attack. I'm quite quite happy to get that. Let's bring in Jamie Halco-Johnson on public sector pay and then John Ferry. Jamie. Well, I, I think what I would say was Pam is right. It's about priorities and the SNP are always very good at t- talking about what their priorities are and it's the uh, the ability to deliver on them and they and they don't. And Fiona uh, and others can dispute the 3.9 billion. It, that's, what's, that's what's happened. There's been an increase in the in the Scottish government's funding, it's up by 3.9 billion, and it's for them to decide how they use it and how they use it sensibly, and to uh, you know to deliver uh, deliver the the priorities that they have. They then can't put their hands up and say, "Well, don't criticise us on our, uh, our priorities." And Jamie, 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 the UK budget the UK budget has increased, but the UK ministers have also the Treasury has also stripped out from the calculations the additional expenditure on COVID. Are you saying the expenditure on COVID is at an end? It doesn't seem to me as if it's at an end. We're about to have a statement from the First Minister about the increasing problem. So that, that cash has been stripped out and yet it's still have, having to be found by the Scottish Government. That's the Kate Fox. Because, Brian, the situation is different to where it was last year. We don't have mass uh, furlough. We don't have, at, at this stage, the, um, the, the, support, um, the f- support being provided for business that we were providing last year. That may well change and we'll have to see what happens in the next, well, the next few hours and the next few weeks and the next few months but obviously where there is spending where there is additional spending by the uk government there are consequentials for scotland and those it's how those it's it's how those consequentials are used and the problem is what we have seen throughout the pandemic is a situation where consequentials come from scotland and they're diverted onto uh you know smp priorities rather than the the priorities necessary for for people and you know local government spending impacts of the service they provide and they provide those services to some of the most vulnerable people in our society. Are you saying you would substantially increase public sector pay? That's not the evidence from the the, the, the way the UK government behaves in the, in precisely that that uh, sector. No, what I'm saying is that, that, that it's for the SNP as the government in Scotland to determine what their priorities are and how they and how they fund them from the, the budget they receive and the taxes that they're able to raise. What they talk about is how they're constrained. They're not constrained. They're constrained by the ambitions, they're constrained by what decisions they're able to make. But what they're always able to do is cash blame somebody constrained else. By the budget, surely they are. They're constrained by cash. Well, three point nine billion extra, Brian. And as I say, you know what we're what we're seeing is cuts cuts in large areas and focus on others. The the budget for um, some of the overseas work, which is actually a lot of it reserved, has gone up. It's around about I think thirty odd million at the moment. We've seen the constitution budget go up by 21 million and, and there are other areas as well and you know this, this is this is the problem they kind of wave around this we don't have enough money when we we know that there are areas where they're focusing you know taxpayers money that, that, uh-huh. that we would all agree that shouldn't be doing and certainly shouldn't be a priority when we are in you know tougher times john ferry on public sector pay the liberal democrats have said that teachers and nurses etc will be um left short in real terms yeah so Many teachers and nurses who are in that above twenty-five thousand pay bracket who aren't going to be rich. If you're if you're earning twenty-six thousand pounds a year, you're a nurse, you're a single parent with one or two children. Yeah, you might get an extra ten or twenty pounds a week in uh, benefits for them, but you're going to face um, a, a big pay cut as well as higher council tax, and you're going to be a lot worse off. 
Um, so it's, it's an interesting budget, and in, in this is a, potentially the first one that we've seen from the SNP that actually um, hurts the, 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 the lower middle classes, you could, you could, you could say. Um, and that could have political implications for them later. Um, just going back to some of the points you you, you raised there, yeah. um, the COVID spending, ongoing COVID spending, there is obviously ongoing COVID spending that's coming through from the UK government. It's wrapped up in health budgets um, and other things. And if we look in England, the the, the, the government there has managed to fund a, um, a line of long COVID clinics right across England. I think there's more than 70 now. They've even managed to fund child-specific long COVID clinics We've seen none of that in Scotland, so they're managing to find money for things like that in England. But the Scottish, the Scottish government here somehow can't do that. You um, mentioned there the you mentioned there the, um, the, the the budget support for children. The the finance secretary made a huge point about the the, the money for children, the doubling of the child payment to twenty pound a week, uh, a Scottish welfare fund, other measures to assist them with the slightly older free bus travel for young people starting in January. She described it as the, as the most comprehensive package. Of support for children and young people that these islands have ever seen. Would you accept that, John? No, I wouldn't characterise it like that at all. I think this time next year, when we look at a 26, uh, a 26, 27 year old single parent nurse with two kids who's earning 26, 27 thousand pounds, they're going to be far worse off than they are now. Pam Duncan Glancy, what about the, the, the package of support? For children and young people. So um, I think I said earlier about the, the £20 child payment, obviously doubling the child payment to £20 is welcome. However, it is not going to meet our child poverty targets. And those targets were targets that were set unanimously by Parliament before the COVID pandemic hit, before there was any notion of a £20 increase to universal credit, which, by the way, should have stayed um, and the, without caveat. And so we need to meet them regardless of what's going on. Um, and the Fraser of Allender Institute have published research that shows that unless we put the child payment up to £40 per week by April 2023, we're not going to meet it. And yesterday, Kate Forbes, when I asked her about that, the, the finance secretary said there are other measures in our budget that will help. And of course, some of those other me measures will um, help in the long term. But what's been absolutely clear... To be, fair to, to be fair to Kate Forbes, it was a pretty long list that she was giving of measures to try and support uh, children and young people. And yeah, well, we've got a pretty long list of young um, of young people and children living in poverty in Scotland, so it kind of is is, is proportionate. But the what what the problem is is all of those things will take a long, long time to to see through and to become um, the money in people's pockets. And actually, what the Fraser Rounder Institute, Joseph Rowntree Foundation, um, Poverty Alliance, and others have all told us is that if you want to meet those targets, which we must, not just because they're targets that Parliament set but because every single child living in poverty is a tragedy and we need to sort that. Um, but if we want to meet them, we can't expect those the investments in childcare or changes to um, wages. And in fact, if you're, the other thing is, if you're going to really change child poverty targets, you need to look at how you're going to increase um, pay for women, women who overwhelmingly are represented in the care sector who are now only getting 48 pence an hour more. Um, so if you want to do all of those things, they take much, much longer in the long term to do. So what they've said is in the short term, Social Security needs to do the heavy lifting. And that was what we put, what the Social Security Committee put in the letter to the government as well. And that was ignored. Let's bring in Jamie and then Fiona. On, on, um, I'm going to move in a, a second to health and then to the broad economy. But let's stick just briefly to the, this issue of the support package that was really a lot, a lot of stress on that from the Finance Secretary for children and young people. Jamie Halker-Johnson and then Fiona on that point. Yeah, well, we supported the um, the twenty pounds additional. You know, I think that was the right thing to do. But you know, the pressure um, on services that are delivered that support um, children and young people is there through the pressure being put onto 
uh, a lot of local councils. So, you know, we're going to see, uh, you know, a strain on their budgets, a strain on their services over the next few years because they're either going to have to raise uh, taxes uh, considerably or they're going to have to cut services. And what we, we've seen that already over the last few years. And uh, and a lot of for a lot of councils, there simply isn't, uh, you know, any kind of... Um, a kind of fat basically to be trimmed tr- trimmed off there. Um, we, we've not got on to education yet, but obviously that's a vital area. Well, where... bring that in as part of the children and young people thing. Have a go, yeah, go, go for Okay, it, yeah. well, I, you, you know, I mean, I was uh, I, I was uh, part of our education team for a number of years, for a, for a number of months, particularly through the pandemic. We've seen huge issues faced by um, uh, young people, particularly from some of the more, uh, from the worse off families who weren't able to access online education. We've seen a number of children missing out on education uh, entirely during the pandemic because they they didn't have the technology they weren't able to be checked there was huge pressure on teachers time and time again i asked the scottish government time and time again when are you going to get uh you know support what access do people have to digital learning um how are we going to make sure that the worst off the and we we just got you know prevarication we got dismissal we got deflection all the way through you yeah, know, it was a global pandemic. It was hardly ordinary circumstances. That's fine. Be honest, be, be honest about it. If, you, if you're not going to be able to deliver, uh, you know, laptops or, or devices, if you're not going to, uh, you know, if you, if you recognise there's a problem out there, the fact is the Scottish government weren't even asking. They were laying the responsibility on council. So we're already trying to deliver a huge range of additional services and support to people across the country. And actually, you know, what we wanted was an honest answer. We didn't get an answer uh, from them. And, we, and that was an absolute nightmare. The, the point is that we've now got to make sure that those young people, uh, as I say, particularly from some of the worst off backgrounds, um, who have missed out on, you know, a huge part of their education and been left behind, are supported through. And, uh, you know, we've already, we've ha- we know that we've had an education system under great pressure over the last few years, particularly, you know, even before the pandemic. And I see nothing that's going to improve that from this budget. Fiona Hislop, there's a package of measures for children and young people that Jamie Halker Johnson is saying there, but they're starting in a slump, they're starting in a trough, they're starting in... This is the, the, the biggest package to support young people that I can recall in my 20 years in government. Um, so you're in, in Parliament since 1999. And, and if you want to tackle poverty, you've got to tackle family poverty and you've got to tackle child poverty. And it does take time to try and relieve that. That is why the uh, extension of uh, early learning and childcare is so important. That does help uh, women particularly because it helps them uh, have more secure jobs and have for, for longer hours. Uh, the increase in free school meals. I was the minister that introduced the pilot of free school meals because I knew how important it was not just for poverty-related issues, but also health. That's getting extended um, for uh, you up to, to P5 and beyond. And then you've also got the, the transport issue and also the cost of education and, indeed, the increase in funding for digital devices and the increase in teachers. What, 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 about, Jamie, what about Jamie's point? What about Jamie's point that educational provision is already lagging, is already struggling, is already in the doldrums, partly because of the pandemic? So the pandemic is still with us. And that's what my question was in the budget yesterday is uh, people want things that that are really important to them and they would be really important in a non-pandemic situation. But we are in a pandemic. And that is why the focus on additional teachers, additional resources for education and additional resources in health is the main focus of what the budget is about. Uh, We're trying to give a trajectory, yes. A lot of it is dealing with the here and now. And that also, that, that means... The pressures I've got, my daughters, I teach, I know the pressures they're under. And I know that the progress they've made over the last year. I've got a son that had to do his hires last year. I know exactly the, the pressures that our teachers and our schools are under. But in terms of that provision, the digital provision 
is there. And I actually think we should also not just thank the social care workers for getting through this, remember the pressure on teachers and they're still having to deal with that. And who knows? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will have 2022 in a better and more stable way for our education health service. But you've got to put resources in it. You must have had some year of it living in a household where, where, where your, your son was sitting as high as that must have been. Well, especially when I was I was I was uh, running the government and the and I had the my year of the economy brief during the pandemic and as as my colleagues were we were fighting election while he was having to do Aye. his assessments so I think he managed pretty well. Oh, <laughs> did he, did he, did he okay, yeah. Jamie, you were keen to get back in. Yeah, he won't welcome you talking about him, Fiona. Oh, no, <laughs> 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 it wasn't it? Wasn't his mum? It was me. Blame me. Blame me. Yeah, blame, me, Brian, me. Bri blame Brian Taylor. There's the, there's easy, the, the easy hit. Easy hit. I mean, look, you, you know, the number of absolutely agree, that, you know, the pressure that we that, that teachers were under and actually just families were under being able to deliver this. But, you know, there were families trying to deliver education for three children on one tablet or one computer. And when we were asking questions on that, the Scottish government were including that as they have access to um, digital services. I mean, it was just nonsense, um, you know, because that was that, because they weren't asking essentially councils or schools to to ask um parents and households exactly what they had access to and we can't keep you know um, um blaming uh you know 14 years of educational pressure on the covid pandemic this has been going on for a very very long time and you know we need to you know we need the government to be honest about it and recognize that there is a problem and make sure that that problem's addressed but we've not seen that and, and now we've we're seeing this covid pandemic being blamed blamed for problems that were, were well before it I'm going, to, I'm going to move to health, and then I want to finish with the, the, the plenty of time yet, but I want to finish with the broad economy. Let, let, let's... Could I just come back in on the education? Back, oh, yeah. very, very briefly. Um, there, there are huge cuts to, to people's attainment funds, and one of the issues that that's going to mean is that a number of our poorest children are not going to be able to get supported in the way, in, in the way that they need. So to, to, to say that actually this budget is supporting children and young people in that way is, is, is again, not fair or not true. And also, I'm sure that I'm sure Fiona that you were in Parliament the other day when the EIS stood outside Parliament saying that the pay offer for teachers and that the additional stresses that they've been under is just not good enough. Um, and and we've seen also that the STUC have come out and said that the the pay offer for for all public sector workers is not good enough either. So there is, I, I honestly really fear that we're not in a position where what we're offering for children and young people is enough. There's no extra money on ventilation in schools. There's no money to support the poorest. Um, schools in our in our society to make sure that, that children get tutored and there's not enough in there to look at um, an evaluation of how we've actually treated education in, during the pandemic. All of these things are going to be essential if we're actually going to have a proper education recovery. There was a £200 million pound increase in the pupil attainment fund which means that poor, poor people and poor families right across Scotland and indeed my constituency who wouldn't have had it previously We'll also get, get that that's because those families wouldn't have had it previously because they weren't living in the areas that needed the most. So what, what's you, happening? You, you, you tell that to the communities in Blackburn and Armadale and constituency. Well, you, you tell the people in Rutherglen who are going to lose who are going to lose thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of funding for all the pupils that are getting to miss out um, because the people attainment fund there. So and actually, what gets across the country is and that is a classic case of more money spread thinner. That's a classic case of that, and it doesn't do anything to help our poorest children and our poorest schools. Let's move to the... Thank you very much for that uh, uh, contribution as well, but let's move to health service. Let's bring in John Ferry. John, the Liberal Democrats, uh, it, it, it's £18 billion, £18,000 million of expenditure upon the health service. 
including extra money for mental health after a campaign that was very largely led uh, by by uh, Willie Rennie and now by Alex Cole Hamilton in Parliament alongside the campaign elsewhere. I know you'll say it's never quite enough, but surely that is a substantial response by the finance sector. Yeah, so um, obviously bearing in mind that a lot of uh, the additional health money has come through from health spending from the UK government, and it was billion, it, had to, it had to go into health. Um, so, so it was unavoidable that it would have a, a, a big increase in the health budget. It's obviously absolutely needed. We've definitely seen some progress on mental health spending. Well, let me correct you there. It wasn't unavoidable. She could have spent that $1 billion on anything she liked, but she, she announced that she was going to pass on all of the consequentials, every single penny, to, to funding on health service, social care, and, and, and within the health service on mental health in particular, seeking to make it 10% of the budget eventually. Yep, yeah, so that's seeking to make it 10% of the budget. Um, I mean, when you when you've got kids waiting over a year for a, for for a, a referral to mental health services, obviously that, that needs to go up quite quickly. That that investment. Um, I mentioned long COVID clinics earlier in the in, in the discussion, and this is a, something that I think we're it's an important point when we were really behind in in Scotland. Um, they've got a multitude of of a string of long specific specialised long COVID clinics across England, which have been funded from the uh, NHS England budget. We have not seen anything like that in Scotland. We've got specialist ones particularly focused on children there. We're not seeing that in Scotland. Um, so obviously the, the increased health spending is, is welcome. It's, it's definitely needed. And that's really the um, the legacy of COVID that we're going to see for years to come. Um, but when we're not spending in these sorts of areas, that, that's going to put more pressure on GPs. It's going to put more pressure on A&E and the, the, the kind of vicious spiral that the health service in Scotland is under just now will, will, will only get worse, I think. Jamie Halker Johnson, then Fiona. Jamie, um, thanks very much. Yeah, I would agree with what John's saying there. My, my my understanding was the figure was closer to two billion, but um, you know, oh, yeah. but uh, um, but you know, it is it is vital, and and there has been uh, that increase, and that is to be welcomed. Um, there are still major issues around recruitment within the NHS. I I'm sure I saw something yesterday from um, Shetland NHS saying that they're sh- short of. I, I think I was going to say, please don't quote me on this, but but I'm going to quote it. And I'm pretty sure it was around about 30 nurse nurse vacancies short. There are real pressures on our an ambulance service. I held, had a members debate on on that issue. Uh, good to see uh, um, investment in CAMS because that's been a, a, an issue for a very very long time. There's been huge pressure, particularly on young people throughout the pandemic, um, because they've not had those normal uh, ways of dealing with some of the stress and pressures of of life. I was disappointed to see real terms cut in um, some of the addiction services, the drug and alcohol um, side of it, because we know what an issue uh, that is. Uh, uh, you know, nobody needs to be told the problems that Scotland has with, with drugs there. So I think that's a real uh, a real area of concern. But there is some good news um, around the health side, just not enough. And there are still some really big fundamental issues. Fiona, Fiona, and then Pam. Fiona. So, I mean, Jamie, you'll know there's already been a substantial increase in the drugs and, uh, and alcohol service uh, much needed over this last year. So I think the point is that there's a, a, an uplift has happened this year. Okay. Uh, but in terms of the um, issue around health, I, I remember when health used to be about 30% of the Scottish budget. It's now uh, nearing 50%, uh, not least because of the additional funding that is required because of COVID. We've got record numbers of um, people in the, the health service and in terms of consultants, nurses, etc. But the real pressure, I think that's why an important foundation for the National Care Service is the investment that is, is going into that area because we know even um, as of today the pressures that are facing our A&E for example much of that is because of the issues particularly I know because I've spoken to NHS Lothian uh, just last week about it 
was the issues around social care, particularly not necessarily in West Lothian where I am, but in Edinburgh. And that again comes back to the pressures on the care service. So that integration of health and care, that journey that we're on needs strong foundations of funding. And that's what this budget has secured. Pam Duncan Glancy on Horn Hill. Briefly, Jamie, if you want. Yeah, go on. Go on Jamie. No, no, so, and sorry, Pam, I'll, I'll be very, I will be brief. I, I mean, I, I can agree with Fiona on that. I think there are, that there's undoubtedly some issues, um, you know, in terms of it is good to see better inter, inter, interrelations between the two. Whether there is enough uh, on the preventative side within this budget on the health, health side, uh, um, you know, really remains to be seen. Pam Duncan Glancy on health, please. Thank, thank you for that. And and this is where uh, Fiona and, and I and others will, will agree that we, we cannot address the crisis in the NHS without addressing the crisis in social care. And yesterday I met with um, Kevin Stewart, the Minister for Social Care, as you know, um, and two unpaid carers to, to talk to him um, about the, the severe risk to unpaid carers right now. And there's many of them who some are missing cancer appointments because they can't get the social care to cover when they're not in to care for their, their their loved ones. That's the sort of situation that social care is in, which is why I'm so, so angry about the, the, the really, really low increase in social care wages, because we're not going to increase more, if we're not going to get people into the sector if we don't offer proper paying conditions, safety at work, and make it look um, like an attractive opportunity. And this is, we're not going to do that if we continue to pay them well below um, what, what they, they deserve. And in actual fact, we've seen, um, you mentioned Lothian um, there, Fiona, we've seen that the health boards in that area, and in fact across the country, to be honest, are now asking families to say, as an unpaid carer, can you help us discharge your loved one from hospital? I mean, the notion that the NHS isn't overwhelmed is is, is unbelievable. We've got the army in because our, because ambulance waiting times are too, are too long. We've got the Red Cross in. We're asking second year students to come in and, and make, meet the gap in the NHS all because the, the gap in the NHS in terms of recruitment was there long before COVID. So not only has COVID come along and made it very, very difficult, but the, at the start of this pandemic, the NHS was fighting for its life. And now it's fighting for our life in the middle of a pandemic. And that's due to the, the gross underfunding and, and under-resourcing. And 1,300 beds have been lost since 2011 in the health service. So yeah. have to remember it into the crisis, in crisis. You want a brief response to that, and then I'm going to move to the broader. Context. So everybody knows that uh, in terms of trying to transfer from acute services into primary services, Jamie talked about preventive health. That point about putting resources there. Some, uh, you know, some procedures don't uh, mean you have to stay in. You can do things on outpatients. So I think we need to separate out the beds issue in relation to what the current situation is in, in relation to care. But I, I think we all agree that uh, the health service and the care service is so integrated. And that that pressure has been ex ex exacerbated uh, by the uh, the pandemic, but it still needs systemic change, and that's why we're having the national care service. Yeah, I'm going to draw, draw you to close on that one. I'm going to give us about seven or eight minutes or so. Not really very much time, but here we have a very very good discussion thus far. I want to talk about the broad economic strategy. There's a medium term financial strategy published to accompany the budget. It talks about meeting climate targets. It talks about restoring the natural environment. Stimulating innovation. It talks about a well-being economy. I'm not sure that's been clearly defined uh, as yet by, by the Scottish government. So you're talking about tra transforming. Fiona uh, Kate Forbes talking about transforming the, the nature of the economy with two billion extra of what she called low carbon investment in infrastructure. It's about changing the nature of the economy. Jimmy Harker Johnson, is that a sensible ambition? And have we got a sufficient detail or even a strategic vision from the, the, the Scottish Government with regard to 
the broad economy and particularly in tackling climate change? Well, uh, 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 you know, I think this is one of those areas where those words sound very nice, but whether they'll deliver on what, what, what's what's intended, yeah. if we you kind of knew what was being intended anyway. And I think there's a there's a you know a, a, some sort of sense of lack of consistency. There. I mean, firstly, of course, we need to respond not to the necessarily the economy of today, but the economy of tomorrow. And there yeah. are going to be uh, real opportunities through the green sector and um, increased greening of our economy. We are. Um, as a country and certainly as in a region and my region particularly the highlands and islands um, doing a huge amount of work in terms of uh, the renewable side and there's lots of opportunities there but we have to recognize where we are too and there are key sectors that and key parts of our economy that are not supported and weren't mentioned yesterday Um, one of the real issues that I had in terms of uh, 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 particularly my region was around infrastructure we are uh, we are now seeing uh, you know, uncertainty over um, dueling, long-promised dueling projects on the A9 and the A96. These are vital for the local communities that I represent uh, for a whole host of reasons. And we're now getting, a, you know, a la- real lack of clarity, which is leading to a real lack of certainty on it. We've seen the uh, changes around on Cambo. Now, I probably stand alone on believing or, under, uh, you know, appreciating that Cambo uh, you know, and, and I, my thinking needs to go ahead because we are we've got a choice. We can either close it down, lose all the jobs, but still then have to import from abroad, uh, or we can maintain it, keep the jobs, and use the uh, use it as part of uh, the change of our economy, which will be happening anyway. We know that there's going to be uh, there are changes in our naughty economy, and they are being supported by the UK government. But you know, this is where there's a lack of consistency because we. You know, we saw the SNP saying at one point that it, they, it should go ahead and it was going to be the basis on a, an independent future. Then there should be a review and now coming out against it. There are a lot of people uh, in my region, the Highlands and Islands, and particularly in the Northeast as well, um, that see their jobs being, um, you know, being threatened. And some of the language from the Scottish government, from ministers uh, calling those who support the oil industry hard right is utterly, utterly disgraceful. And it won't be forgotten by those people with, who work within the sector. Fiona, this is a a practical point. Kate Forbes, the finance secretary, talked about a well-being economy. Again, you know, I heard the first minister's lecture on this about eighteen months ago. I'm still not entirely certain what 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 that means. But she says it's enterprising, but focused on the environment as well. But how do you do that when you're in partnership with a party, the Greens, who don't actually rate GDP growth as being a, a significant measure at all? Isn't Jamie Halker Johnson right there? It's, the focus is likely to be upon. Yeah. A, a different sort of economy, but, but the sort of economy that, that perhaps we, we, we wouldn't welcome, certainly in the North East or in Shetland. So the, the government agreement between the SNP and the Greens had exceptions. And oil, as Jamie well know, knows, GDP oil and gas one of them, yeah. exceptions. Yeah. Um, I, but in terms of uh, the, the budget and, and in terms of medium-term strategy and yeah. looking ahead, yeah. actually the capital infrastructure choices that have been made with that $2 billion uh, to help deliver net zero, uh, probably had not got the attention it deserves, and probably not in the time that we've got left. But well, that, I, I thought it was hugely significant. It's yeah, huge. Now that's also that also came out. I was when I was in government, and now back venture, I was an, an, an instrumental in, in the development of the infrastructure investment plan, which had that in it already in, in terms of February and looking at the forward look as to what was required. Now that will also bring uh, bring jobs with it. We've already seen that with the green jobs fund that was established, eight hundred and fifty. Announced today the big MIG in, in, in announcement and two billion pounds actually in terms of what will be needed is a small amount but remember in terms of the private capital we know will be available. Yeah, the private sector. June COP twenty six. We yeah. heard from Mark Carney as well that there's, there's this wall of green capital in, in terms of the private investment which globally will run into trillions and how do we make sure that we 
harness that, make sure that we're developing a just transition where the oil and gas companies will be absolutely vital as part of that transition and to make sure that we protect uh, jobs and investment. And we need to make sure we've got the good projects like NIG that can uh, harness, yes, some government investment, but also that huge amount of private investment because that's the sea change that we'll have with our renewables. Brian, can I come in for the last minute? Yeah, please, please, go on, yeah. Go oh, on. I was going to say, um, please. we do, when it comes to the economy generally, um, and also the, the green economy, we do tend to get far more platitudes from, from our government rather, and, 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 vague, and vague games rather than anything concrete. But there's a really important thing that came out of yesterday's budget, which has been little talked about so far, which is that the devolution of income tax so far has actually been, is actually looking as if it's going to be negative in terms of Scotland's budget in the 2020s. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even though our income taxes have gone up by 500 odd million pounds, that's only expected to raise about six million pounds, think, in the coming year and, and then go negative in, in, in coming years. And that's because an incredible, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's an incredible um, a reflection of SP mismanagement of our economy. They're de stimulating our economy. Or of the fiscal framework that was negotiated with the Treasury, which they're now trying to renegotiate in Cape Forbes, so there'd have to be changes to the, 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 the parameters upon which that was based. Yeah. And of course, when, when things were wrong, it, the, the excuse is normally we don't have enough powers to do to do things properly. Um, but really, the, the, they have enough power now to, to stimulate our economy um, to not spend hundreds of millions of pounds on ferries that aren't going to get take to sea um, and, and these sorts of things. But I think spending per head in Scotland is about 20% more than, than other parts of the UK. So we should really have a much more dynamic economy. We're going to go over a little John, bit. John, Brexit and COVID have reduced the... the projections that affect income tax and I said that at the beginning. These are decisions your government made Fiona knowing the implications and you know this is the, this is the problem you, you you know you can't kind of roll back from decisions that SNP ministers have made that have taken money out of the Scottish economy. Pam, Pam Duncan Glancy what do you make of the the vision of the Scottish economy do, do you buy it do you endorse it? I think it's hugely lacking. I think our high streets are being left um, untouched. I think our cost, the cost of living crisis has not been supported in the way that it should be. That's why we would have put £50 um, voucher scheme in place so that people could spend money in the local economy. We'd have had the 50% rates reduction for retail and hospitality and why we would have looked at a proper social security package to make sure that everyone has enough money to live on. And none of that came across in the budget. You want to hear that final word? So in, in terms of what we have to do, we've got to marry the, the here and now, and that includes support for our local high streets. But actually, our job and, and the job we have to do for the, is, is to steer a future that is not just for the next year, it's for the next five years, 10 years. And if we're serious about meeting net zero, we have to change the nature of our economy and our society. We're far more interdependent as it is, and well-being means measuring a whole variety of different things, not just simply GDP. In, 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 in steering a course as to what's important. And that net zero drive you'll see increasingly important in both policy, but also the economic strategy. I, I get that, but I'm going to be keeping nipping away at the ears on this one as to what exactly well-being means and how you measure those other factors other than GDP. But I'll have to do that in the new year because that's the end of my final podcast for this, for this, this season. Many, many thanks to the guests. Thank you very, very much. Indeed, many thanks to, to all of you um, watching, listening, whatever one does at home. Um, you're getting the thing along the bottom there about the subscription. Give a give a hell subscription to your loved one for Christmas and watch watch their faces light up. Um, no, seriously, give a hell subscription to your loved ones for Christmas. It's an excellent idea from me, Brian Taylor. This podcast was brought to you by the Herald. 
take 20% off an annual subscription to The Herald with our exclusive podcast code. Just add Herald Pod 2021 to your basket and get instant unfiltered access to our website. And you can also get involved with the Brian Taylor podcast as well. Tune in on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube every Thursday afternoon to catch Brian and his panel chat live and ask your questions to the people across the political scene. 